Welcome to episode 48 of A Politic. We are engaged in a progressive discussion of politics for people who hate politics in about 5 to 10 minutes. We try to keep it short and to the point. We encourage people and empower them. We're attempting to promote a transformation of our society for the benefit of everyone in our society. The goal of this podcast is to encourage voter registration and voter participation in a process of reducing the conflict and division of our society. What we're hoping to do is encourage you to get informed about the issues. Society as a whole really needs each and every one of us to vote based on based on making informed choices and that means really looking into the issues and not being fooled by all the misinformation available in the media. Some of the information is accurate and true. Some of it is not. So we have to very carefully analyze the information that we use to form our opinions and to cast our votes. A politic pledges to give high quality information that is not biased toward a political party. We're going to look at various topics through the lenses of progressive principles as we are looking at significant days in American history, issues, policies, great heroes, and programs. We want to examine everything using real stories and real people. Again, all in relation to our progressive principles. This is the first of several episodes where we're going to join Steve in examining the use of presidential pardons. President Trump has been getting a lot of press coverage on his use of pardons, so we thought we'd go back in history to look at pardons from a nonpartisan point of view. Some pardons that look reasonable and some that do not. They look corrupt and bad. Again, the progressive principle, which is at stake in this whole situation, is principle seven, increases equal protection and justice under law. As we said in most episodes, we cannot claim to be progressive when we are violating constitutional and progressive principles. This, we need more votes, voters to be heard in the question of which direction our country should take, forward or backward. So thank you for joining us, and we're looking forward to our discussion. Welcome to episode 48 of A Politic. And I'm joined by my friend, Steve. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Bill. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, and it's a sunny day. You're on yes, yes, yes. January 21st. Part, yeah, and they say it'll be maybe 48 degrees on this January Oh, day, boy. So that's pretty unusual. That's amazing. Well, today we're going to talk about presidential pardons. The history of presidential pardons and eventually we'll get around to President Trump's presidential pardons uh, that he did 
on uh, January 19th, at very late at night. Uh, we'll get to that, but we want to talk a little bit about the history of presidential pardons. And I guess I'm wondering, what stands out to you about presidential pardons in general? Well, um, I think uh, from the context of um, way of life, uh, by empowering a president to have the authority to what I think a presidential pardon really is, is the fundamental element of is, is mercy. And uh, I think in a lot of ways, um, a presidential pardon is uh, the highest form of, uh, of our civic uh, forgiveness. And um, it, it's very important that when, in my opinion, when these um, are, are presented to people, that they realize that in the name of the American people, the President of the United States has, has maybe not forgiven you, but has given you the opportunity to have a second chance. And then it's up to the pardoned individual to show um, that, the, in a way, they have repented for their redress to the society. Well, I think that's very well said. And we want to refer to people that this comes from the Constitution in Article 2, where it gives the president the power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. So this is a constitutional power that did derive from the English precedent. So that's where we got it from, from England. But um, it has been somewhat controversial, and I guess... There are great reasons for pardoning, as you just mentioned. And then there have been some very weird cases. And so I'm just wondering what, what uh, impresses you about some of the weird cases or some of the interesting cases to you. Well, well I think that uh, when, regardless of who the president is, if they are frivolous in terms of the, the, the fundamental basis for which the the offense to the country was um, and I think that when you basically are in some instances pardoning individuals whose representatives have lobbied with financial incentives to the chief executive then at that point it's not so much an act of justice as is as it is an act of uh, uh, self-aggrandizement, if I can use that $10 phrase. That is and a $10 phrase. Now, are you thinking of any particular case when you're talking about that? Well, I mean, um, uh, I mean, I, it, it depends. I mean, uh, you know, there's been many, many pardons given. But, well, uh, I'm saying you know, specifically for making well, Bill illegal... Well, Clinton, Bill Clinton's... Bill Clinton's um, uh, pardon of Mark Rich. I mean, uh, that that was really, but again, I think that those have been overshadowed by the, the recent pardons that uh, President, former President Trump uh, uh, exercised. I mean, they all seem to be, or most, were individuals who in some way or other 
were in the orbit of Mr. Trump and had knowledge of maybe some of the actions that he may have been involved in, and they they had his back. They would, you know, maybe um, plead the Fifth Amendment or not give uh, testimony in court in order to protect the president, who they knew at the end of the process would pardon them for their silence. And in a way, it, um, it, it it's like a judicial cat chasing its tail. In other words, you're protecting the very people who could incriminate the person, possibly, who is publicly forgiving you in the eyes of the law. And I think that uh, many of the parts that the, the former president, uh, Trump, gave will always be seen, uh, you know, in the scrutiny of uh, uh, it wasn't justice. Yes. Well, here's, we're going to go into detail with some of President Trump's pardons in, in the next program in the series on that. But I was thinking about the pardon by Richard Nixon, or my, sorry, pardoned by Ronald Reagan of George Steinbrenner for his making 14 counts of illegal financial contribution to Richard Nixon's campaign of 1972. So here's an example of where one party is covering for the crimes of its previous party member Reagan pardoning Nixon's contributions from George Steinbrenner, the legendary owner of the New York Yankees. Yes. That was in 1974. Uh, it, it, there, I think history is, um, is uh, pretty much um, replete, again, if I may use a $2 word, uh, <laughs> with examples, with examples that, that you scratch your head over and then uh, once the dust settles, you see the method and the madness regarding the pardon because it, 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 they're, not, they're not, you know, get out, of free, get out of jail free cards. And yet a lot of the times the pardon protects the president yes. or, some of his, or some of his associates from any criminal liability. And at that point... It, it it tends to be an inside an inside game, and and uh, then the 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 actual value of a pardon in principle is devalued, and uh, all you have to do is feel, hey, if I've got the right connection and there's enough money, uh, I get a pardon. I mean, uh, to to quote uh, uh, um, Oprah Winfrey, and you get a pardon, and you get a pardon, and you get a pardon, and then they 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 really are worthless in terms well, of what they're supposed to be. Yes, and, and you know, we we are justifiably concerned by the possibility that Trump was going to pardon his family members, but we forget that Bill Clinton pardoned his half-brother, Roger. Oh, yeah. Oh, of, Guilty of pleading guilty to cocaine distribution. I know, I know. And then, to make matters worse, less than a month after he was pardoned, Roger Clinton was arrested for driving drunk and disturbing the peace 
and he made a guilty plea to pay a fine and serve two years of probation. So, you know, we, we get very exercised uh, by some of these situations where family members are involved and we really don't have to look very far to see where both parties tend to violate these principles of equal protection. And another one I thought was interesting was Jimmy Carter pardoned Peter Euro, who was one of the leaders of the folk rock group Peter, Paul, and Mary. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. I think he uh, was uh, was involved with an underage yes. lady. Yeah, yeah. 14 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had happened years and years earlier. And, and yes. uh, But see, what, what the whole exercise does is it waters down when they when these sort of, um, these pardons that basically, obviously, are, are, are not, do not have the justification for their application. It waters down the pardons for truly pardonable actions that, um, you know, uh, deserve that mercy uh, in, in, in a lot of ways. So anyway, one of the more interesting uh, pardons that I ran across in this um, research that I did was there was in 1862, Abraham Lincoln was involved in a very unusual situation where he pardoned or he refused to authorize the exercise, the execution of 265 men who had been from Dakota that were supposed to be executed in Minnesota. And basically what happened was there had been a mass murder of six to 700 settlers killed in what was considered the worst massacre of American history. And up to 40,000 people fled the Minnesota frontier as a result of that mass murder of six to 700 settlers. Well, of course, the Native, Native Americans lost 500 in the retaliation. So here was another mass murder to try to make up for the six to 700 settlers who were killed. So it finally boiled down in this situation to 265 men who were going to be executed for this crime. And as it turned out, Lincoln decided that he could not stomach the mass execution of 265 American citizens, but he did authorize 38 men to be hanged in 1862 which turns out to be the largest mass execution in the nation's history. So history can be very strange. It can be very illuminating. I mean, it was, uh, it was uh, bad enough, but well, not bad, but I mean that 32 souls lost their lives in those 38. executions. 38. 
but over 200 and some could have been. Yes. And so to those who were given clemency, um, I think, um, you know, whatever history wants to write in terms of uh, how that all uh, unfolded, uh, but it was, again, it, the, the entire story kind of speaks volumes about, um, you know, American history and uh, and uh, the pushing and shoving of control of uh, the continent uh, as America moved westward in its, uh, its uh, manifest destiny. Yes, a long story. Well, we're going to have to call it quits at this point, Steve, but thank you yeah. for joining me. Yes, uh, you have a good one, and take care there, Bill. Thanks again for joining us for episode 48 of Apolitik. As you can see, the use of presidential pardons has historically been controversial. There have been very good uses of pardons to promote justice, and there have been very corrupt uses of pardons. We believe that the citizens being better informed about the positive and corrupt practices of presidents in their pardons and in their communication and their opinions will make future presidents more thoughtful when they exercise their powers in office. The American people don't know and they don't care. That should become a saying of the past. This was and still is an impediment to progress. In these types of cases, we badly need all eligible voters to get informed on the issues like the use of pardons and then cast their vote. We can't blindly trust the media all we can do is a lot of cross-checking on what's being told to see if the information is consistent, reliable, and valid. But you must decide how we in this country will respond to the use of clarification of our identity and, of course, moving forward. Your vote determines our future. And again, I'm talking to all you people who haven't been voting that 33 to 40% who just haven't felt like taking the time and trouble to become informed on the issues and then casting your balance. You are the ones who will control the balance of power in the United States over the next 20 to 50 years. So good luck. Next, we are going to look at the use of the nuclear option in Congress for our podcast. So we will look forward to seeing you again in episode 49. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great rest of your day.